0: Welcome back to Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast. We're glad to be back with our guy. It's game day, Johnny Guitars. Johnny, you you got a riff for the people that you wrote. Take it away. About that There you go. That's Johnny Guitars. We're right. back in business. Huh? I said we're back in business. I'll tell you what. My favorite rock and roll song is
1: Metallica, Enter the Sandman. Enter Sandman a favorite- choice a lot of people have. It's an extraordinarily popular hard rock, heavy metal song across the entire world. So as many people as want to hate on it, there's like 100 million plus that would agree the other way. Who hates that song? Uh, There's some Metallica fans that hate it. There's some people that hate anything that gets too popular or they feel like is is overplayed. Um, The bottom line about that one is it's good and it sounds good. That's really the bottom line. For all the people that may hate it, they shouldn't. It's good and it sounds good. Is it the best Metallica song? No, I understand what people are saying there. Is it the most popular? Probably. And it will never, ever go bad. And it is a perfect fit for just about anybody to enter a football game. We know Virginia Tech has it and rightfully kept it, unlike a school on the banks of the Red Cedar that maybe bungled their opening song, their entrance song, and Nick Saban snatched it away. Enter Sandman's always going to be good. It'll never go bad. There's no doubt. The people have decided Hundreds of thousands. Now tell
0: everyone because your your favorite rock band is the Red Hot Jalapenos.
1: No, and it's I, Pearl Jam. No, it's not. It's not the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, no, it's Pearl I Jam. Mean, that's what they're they're
0: called Red Hot Chili
1: Peppers. Yep. Yeah, I've yep. never heard of them. Yeah, they've been around a long time. They're from Los Angeles. Well, I
0: mean, I've heard about you talking about them, but I've never heard any song they've.
1: Yeah, heard. no. My my favorite is Pearl Jam overall, without much of a question. All right. right. I got a hoop so, t-shirt on, so there, there's plenty. There's plenty. Trust me. There's there's hoop, plenty hoop. to go around.
0: All right. My, but, the, but the greatest American rock band of all
1: time, no one can argue this, Boston. They argue all the if, time. And they'll argue about that one, too, because you realize Boston was just one guy. Some people don't know that. Don't. That was one guy that did all that, which is like what? C- crazy. Well, um, but I've usually, been to probably 60. I've been to probably 60 Boston concerts. It's not one guy. No, no, but just one guy wrote all that stuff. That's the that's the wild card thing. The, the band, yeah. the, the whole separate from those records. Um, they're tremendous. But most most of the, I mean, there's never-ending debates and arguments. Aerosmith, Pearl Jam, Metallica, those are three that, that people would throw in that mix. The thing about Boston forever was that they, I think Aerosmith's good. I think Metallica's
0: good. But to me, it goes, here's the way it goes for me. It goes Boston,
1: Sticks, Metallica, Aerosmith. Boston had one of the biggest debut records ever. Some people, a lot of people, and boy, they the
0: rode the coattails of that forever, didn't they?
1: Oh yeah, the first two records. I mean, but a lot of people uh, like it a lot. There's a few people that don't like the sound. I never understood that. The first time you hear Boston as a kid on on classic rock or whatever it's called now, it just sounds good. So there's no wrong answer there. Um, No wrong answer. And fortunately. My favorite
0: Boston song, and there's so many. But my favorite Boston song is American Band. That is a great song. We were just another band out of Boston trying hard to make ends meet. Not a singer, obviously. All right. Listen, it's not a music podcast. I apologize to everybody. Let's dig in. I'm Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, joined by my very good friend, award-winning journalist, tremendous attorney from down in Atlanta. Again, very successful journalist, very successful attorney. I have John on every single week with us for a couple of reasons. First of all, he is, being an attorney, he's extremely analytical um, and just the way he analyzes and looks at stuff. I, I think it's great to bring other points of view to the podcast to get some anal, anal, uh, some analytics or some analyzation from other people. We've got John we've got so many guests coming up on the podcast this off season. We're having a couple of guys who are big Raider fans in the UK Parliament. How cool is that? two members of the UK Parliament. Huge Raider fans. We're going to be bringing in Raider fans from around the world. Um, I'm bringing in a a group of Raider fans to get their perspective on Raider Nation. We just got a lot of good stuff going up. Now, a lot of you have asked me, I am coming Tuesday, February 20th at 6 o'clock to San Antonio. We're going to have a meetup there. I expect to have all the information soon. We're going to have a meetup in San Antonio. It's 100% free. You buy your own drinks and food, but there's no cost to come. And from you got to get there before 6 and order your dinner because from 6 to 730, I'm going to be talking for the first 45 minutes about the latest on the Raiders. Um, it's going to be heading into the Combine, so we're going to answer a lot of draft. We're going to talk a lot about the staff and um, a lot of stuff going on inside the Raiders. And then we'll have 45 minutes where you guys can ask me the questions that you want to know about the Raiders and I'm going to answer it to. It's 100% free, but you must sign up. So we'll have announcement coming up, hopefully as early as Monday, but we'll have all the announcements coming up as where you go sign up and everything else, 100% free. All right, John, let's get right to it. The Raiders make it official. They hire Antonio Pierce. Border to border, coast to coast. This is being lauded as the right decision I 100% agree. I think it was the right decision. Listen, if I was any other team in America of the the other 31 NFL teams, and I needed a coach, Antonio Pierce would not have been my first choice. He would have been on the list, but not my first choice. But for the Raiders, there was one choice, Antonio Pierce. What did you think about it, how it all went down on all of it?
1: Well, it did seem to be inevitable, but for the right reasons. It wasn't inevitable because they had nowhere else they could go. It wasn't inevitable because Pierce had no other options. It really was inevitable because we saw the first of its kind as far as an interim coach taking over and actually operating as much like a head coach who had been there from the start as he could. So he's limited in some ways, but he makes the changes that we know on the offensive side of the ball. They make some personnel changes and what you saw there is the new blueprint for how to handle an interim situation we will absolutely see it repeated next fall we know we don't know where it will be we may guess where it could be but we will see it happen again next fall and when that does happen the interim coach that takes over is going to be saying i want to do it like antonio pierce did because of that this hiring makes sense it seems like the best fit for the right reasons it's the right place at the right time I don't take Tom Coughlin's endorsement lightly. Tom Coughlin does not need to endorse Antonio Pierce, did not need to, but there's some real strength behind it when a guy with that experience level, pro football, college level, organizational, front office, if you will, at the NFL level says, this is this is good. So now you have some momentum behind the Raiders and it's not tire spinning momentum that you've seen with John Gruden being hired with Josh McDaniels being hired these tires have already spun and they've grabbed on to the concrete and they're moving forward so you have some real momentum I'm excited to see what comes next of course there's a curveball with the general manager hire but that that that's always going to happen what we've seen here is the Raiders tore the page out of the book threw it away when they when they turn the page from McDaniels uh, and from that regime now really have turned the whole page and it is a new chapter and it's going to start pretty quickly
0: john one of the things that really stood out to me and there are a lot of things that did but one of the things that really stood out to me was um antonio pierce is interviewing a broad spectrum of coordinators now at the time that we're taping this, they've not yet released who it is. So we're not going to go into a lot of detail, but it can be released at any time. But um he what I liked is he wasn't married to anybody. And he wanted to bring in a bunch of guys and hear you know he wanted deep passing chunk plays, 24 points a game. He wanted to hear from a bunch of different guys. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna use for you an example. I thought this was a big one. He um, understood, you know, Patrick Graham was a guy a lot of people thought was going to get consideration for a head coach. He goes to the New York Giants where his coach really limited him. So when he got hired by the Raiders, I said this was a great hire. Um, This guy should be the guy. All of that. And I said, he's going to be a head coach. Man, I took a bunch of grief. Then after last year, you know, I was saying, we're so blessed to have Patrick Graham. People are like, you're nuts. You're just kissing the butt of the regime. You're afraid to call him out. I said, no, I'm not. I sincerely believe this guy should be a head coach. Now, everyone's like, we got to keep Patrick Graham. Just because a coordinator has failed somewhere does not mean they're a failed coach. Because a lot of times the head coach has a lot to do with it. I like the fact he isn't worried about, has this guy been fired? Was this guy a failure somewhere? Because he understands coaches are limited. He's bringing in so many different guys. I love his approach. What's your thought?
1: My thought is that Antonio Pierce saw Nick Saban and Bill Belichick art of being a coach. And one of the things they talk about in there is that every single team is different. And that you have to figure out what your team can do and then adapt and adjust your coaching accordingly too often we see square peg in a round hole and it doesn't work you could say that you saw that in oakland at times you could say that you saw it in las vegas at times so if antonio pierce is literally the page has been turned the slate is blank i think it's a good sign That he wants to hear from a lot of different folks with some different ideas you've got some significant questions always you're going to have questions what do you think of our you know quarterback situation how do you see that playing out do you want a competition um there are plenty of questions and angles Pierce could take in interviewing candidates to find out if they're going to be adaptable if they're going to be somewhat set in their ways if they're if they are really current and what I mean by that is Pierce was in the college game, Pierce is in the NFL, Pierce takes over as interim head coach. He literally knows what's going on around the league because he's been amongst it. You've got an idea of guys that are maybe Mike Zimmeresh, if you will, and stuck. And you've got an idea of other guys uh like Belichick and 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 Saban that have really flexed and moved with their team. So it would be a mistake to come in with a super narrow tight focus and say, for example, Kellen Moore or bust or pick a name. That doesn't make any sense, but it does make sense to entertain and listen to people's ideas about, you know what the roster is. Here's what, you know, obviously is gonna be added or could be added, should expect it to be added. Now, how do you see this playing out? The head coach's job is to meld that offensive philosophy, ideally with a defensive philosophy too, somewhat. We don't want to see things, something working against itself. You don't want to see um, a team that's just, let's say, let's, let's go way back Raiders, like we're going to be the kings of the deep ball. You know, that doesn't really exist anymore to that extent, but – how does that match up with what's going to go on on the defensive side of the ball? If you don't explore all those options, just so you have the information, you're selling your team short. So Pierce is going in, he's listening, he's catching a wide variety of the information. That in itself is going to help him narrow down who probably is the best fit for the Raiders of 2024. Because again, the team that was just there in 2023, it's it's for whatever reason, it's just it's not going to be the exact same thing. Next year, the schedule won't be exactly the same next year. This is a right. good sign. So Tom Telesco
0: gets the GM job. I know going into Saturday, people in the building were telling me, it's done, uh, champ's getting it. That was the mentality in the building. Um, They went a different direction. Um, I thought champ was best for the job. I still do. I know that's was the feeling of many in the building. But they went a different direction, so we don't we don't blame Tom Telesco for that. But as you know, because you and I have been friends a long time, I listen to the people who I let in my inner circle. Drew Stanton, Super Bowl winning quarterback, played in the NFL for a decade or uh, twelve years. Um, one of the best college quarterbacks ever is a dear friend. Him and Christian, great friends of mine, and he knows Tom Telesco well and has bragged to me about the man he is, the integrity he has. Uh, he told me, if Tom Telesco shakes your hand, you don't need it in writing. He'll remind you that he said it. Um, so many people vouched for him. He's a Bill Polian disciple, and we all love Bill Polian. And talking to people who were with him with the Chargers, Man, his hands were tied a lot. Yep, he made some bad decisions. He certainly did. Staley was a terrible decision. But they talked about how the owner handicapped him. And then after I saw his press conference, I was very impressed with him. No ego. Uh, How much weight do you put in um, on being a
1: Bill Polian disciple? I put some weight in there because – now look everybody that worked under bill polian maybe didn't necessarily learn or take the lesson we'll we'll grant you that but this is apparently a guy that did so the people that were in those conversations as far as evaluating who was the most prepared to help the the las vegas raiders today for 2024 and beyond um there must have been some value there in not only falling from the polian tree but the experience that he had It is very possible that you could take an independent look at, say, Kelly and Telesco as your final two and find reasons to put Kelly above Telesco. It's also very likely, based on the hire, that there was enough that convinced the Raiders, powers that be, decision makers, we should go with Telesco here. It does look like a little bit of a risk. Every GM hire is a bit of a risk. What I'd be interested in is probably the information that we're never going to get. It's where specifically do the Raiders see Telesco as an advantage over anybody else they could have hired, not even necessarily Kelly. And I would be curious what lessons he learned from San Diego slash Los Angeles and how are they going to be applied here? That's a huge thing I'm sure they covered. The other thing is, how does he integrate immediately with Antonio Pierce? Both of these guys, know not for long are the issues of the nfl they also know that they are what maybe two bad draft classes away from being in a warming situation if not a hot seat that's just the nature of the sport this has got to come together quickly i'm sure these guys are working at this time i do think it's an interesting hire and there's a little bit unknown there's no way we can know how good a gm telesco is going to be but this is it. We're gonna find out. This is not a guy that's gonna get a third shot at being an NFL GM.
0: So I got a few things I want to talk about. Some of them are Raider specific, some aren't, and then we're gonna come back and finish with the Raiders. But um there is they're putting in a special kind of grass at a Legion Field. Will you talk about it?
1: Everybody saw the Super Bowl last year. We should never see anything like it again. The Field turf conditions affected and impacted in a horrific, really a bad fashion. They, they affected the Super Bowl. I don't think we've ever really seen it. We never should see it again. Fast forward a year, everybody's eyes are on the grass. The folks at Allegiant are already on it. Now, conditions wise, it's, it's unlikely that some massive ice storm or monsoon or deluge is going to come in. So the grass that is growing outside, it's already in there. It's doing its roots thing it's outside sitting there for a couple weeks it's being watched like a hawk you're talking about moisture content signs of mold a whole bunch of other stuff now some of that's really not going to be in play because of how dry it is there uh meaning grass in let's say a humid climate like miami it's not necessarily going to be susceptible to the same type of stuff but i think we can rest assured that we will not hear a post game comment like i'm so glad hasan riddick made last year when he said i'm not gonna lie it's the worst field i've ever played on that is a huge part of the super bowl last year things are looking good for Allegiant stadium to have the turf be a non-story other than it's not a problem it's good to go
0: which anybody who follows me on social media The last game of the year when the turf was bad, I told everyone, relax. The NFL is going to be bringing in a new turf. All right, I want to talk about Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. At the time of this taping, it looks like Bill is going to be not part of a head coaching hire. Even if he does catch on somewhere, he was not as big of a commodity as people thought. Neither was Tom Brady. Um, I would love to see Belichick and Saban do a podcast. Just a once a week, breaking down the game, all of it. How much would you love it? And, I mean, would this not be the
1: number one podcast, I mean, other than Rogan? And for football, it would be number one, without a doubt. Um, The Belichick and Saban coaching documentary was better than I thought it would be. I'm admittedly biased because... Of where I went to school when I went to school and the influence that flowed from the Belichick tree through Nick Saban, these guys to me know more than anybody else about football at the highest levels, partially because of their age, mostly because of their experience. It's a it's it's certainly gonna be a shock. It's surprising right now that neither is, is gonna coach next year. It's gonna be a shock when we get to Labor Day and neither is coaching. What's going on? These guys just turn on the tape if they need somebody to to host or point them in the right direction there's probably 164,000 people that would do it like you and me without any question they do it for free i want to hear these guys just talk for whatever they want for however long they want they can have the clicker thing in their hand we're all going to listen because all you can do is learn so these are two guys at the top of the hill understandably they appear to want complete control if they're going to be an nfl head coach and it looks as we take now that not only was there not a deal to trade bill belichick to washington in october or whatever uh whatever was there with that franchise in belichick appears to be gone and understandably um uh, there's other options that franchises have are they making a mistake maybe i think the interesting thing is What if the Eagles or the Cowboys flop next year? If they do, backward-looking folks are going to say, I told you, you should have gone and got Belichick here to wrap this thing up. Of course, it's not that simple. But it is simple to get Bill and Nick on a line talking. Somebody records it. We want that. All the football fans want to hear that if it's possible.
0: All right, let's talk to the best interim stat for Antonio Pierce. This really
1: stuck out to you. It did. Let's talk about actual stats. Under Josh McDaniels, the Raiders, three and five with a minus 61 point differential, minus eight turnovers. With Pierce, the Raiders went five and four, plus 62 point differential, plus six turnover margin. Those are stats. We saw, obviously, within the four days, the incredible goose egg to 60 points in the Pierce uh, era. I think we can bet safely that nothing like that's probably ever going to happen again for a million different reasons. But to flip the turnover margin that much tells you, again, that this was not just somebody carrying the water from game six to the end of the year. It was actually an interim coach changing things. The reason that stat stands out to me most is that it tells you that there was actually a change made, not just based on what we saw as far as effort, focus, determination, but there was actually some effective change in terms of scheme, using the players, and clearly getting the ball to their playmakers when they've got the ball in their hands.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Let's talk about Max Crosby, Defensive Player of the Year
1: finalist. Your thoughts on Crosby? I mean, to me, this is a no-brainer. It's not a no-brainer to me. I, 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 I don't think that. I think Micah Parsons is going to be hurt by the fall of the Cowboys. I think T.J. Watt is probably the guy to beat, just for a number of and reasons. I think
0: he's going to get it. I think he's going to get it.
1: I mean, popularity is what it is. You've got, I mean, you practically have a, a legacy or a family support. Um, you can't say Watt without thinking of J.J. also. So it's almost like he gets a push. But there's a great argument to be made. But give hey, him his credit.
0: He's sure. not getting it because of the Steelers or his brother. He's had a monster year.
1: He's had a monster year. So has uh, Miles Garrett. Uh, Miles Garrett is extraordinarily effective and, and has affected the game. But there's a real good case to be made for Crosby because he had more pressures than Garrett or Watt. He had – uh extraordinary durability um who knows what happened with the knee but I don't know that it was as simple as as it was made out to be you know just for example he
0: played his John he played his last three games at 60 percent
1: yeah you know when you look at the, the the run stops the run stuffs he played every snap in 10 games this year for the Raiders there is if you're talking about defensive player of the year and you're talking about overall picture candidate i think crosby is really really tough to beat um it's a tough call i think it's a tougher call this year i would be a little bit let down if it went to mac or to parsons i i would be okay if it's crosby watt and probably garrett probably
0: and to me it's to me it's crosby or watt if either one of those guys wins it i have no issue with it anybody else anybody else that got an issue that's a good call on your part all right. Talk about Crosby in Las Vegas. What a fit.
1: It's a guy that looks like he's got the thing pedal down the whole time. He's got the Raider look. He's got plenty of ink. He's got plenty of personality, but I don't see a whole lot of flufferoo. You don't see a lot of over-celebrating and underperforming. A lot of people don't like what we see a lot in the college level. Kids going crazy stopping a guy on a second and three in the second quarter in like, you know, September 15th Now the NFL, every game is huge and it should be what I see in Max Crosby is a consistent determination and production. He's very consistently producing. And that goes well with Las Vegas because people come to Las Vegas from all over the world. They're not always going to have the best time in the world. They're not always going to have the worst time in the world, but that city delivers a consistent experience consistent level of hospitality consistent level of care the weather's pretty consistent a lot of things consistently deliver in las vegas you can get things done and have a really good time there and you can count on it the raiders can count on max crosby to be basically i mean it seems like he's running the thing nearly red line all the time but i'm telling you there's 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 not enough focus on what's going on inside of his football mind and how he's getting even sharper. He can sharpen the screws. He's turning them more with his game mentally. Each year he's this well performing physically. He's gaining an edge on the field because how many of the guys on the other side of the ball are in their first or second year? They don't know what he knows. And it looks to me like he's got a lot of moves. He's not nearly a one-trick pony. He's practically an all-trick pony. A lot of ponies around Las Vegas.
0: good. Well played, John. Well played. All right. I want to, there's a trend among coaches right now, John. Yep. That uh, it's fascinating. You know, everything works in waves. And mm-hmm. and I'm wondering how close we are to the end of this wave and then swinging back. Like, I think there's a wave now that's just beginning of former players, Dan Campbell Couple of years ago, two years ago, D'Amico Ryan. This year, now it's Antonio Pierce. I like it, but there's a, t- a trend that made that wave may be
1: coming to an end. Talk about that that trend. The trend of the younger offensive coordinator who's going to be a head coach and call plays. Now I understand that there's a real advantage in this, in theory, in that if my if I pick an offensive head coach and he's calling the plays, I don't have to worry about losing an offensive coordinator. So already in Atlanta, with the hiring of Raheem Morris, whoever they pick as an offensive coordinator, if he does really well in 24, that's most likely going to be a guy already in consideration to to move on if this trend continues. I do think that the trend is very obvious. We've seen it work in a lot of places, Minnesota, Cincinnati. We'll see it, who knows how well it's going to work. Yeah, of course, yeah. Now, how well is it going to work? Um, I don't know. At some point, there's going to be a dilution of talent. At some point, things are going to even out. But I'm curious when we will see some refining in some of the rules that we've poked at during the season. And I'm sure we will take a whole show or two to go through down a list and talk about in the offseason. I want to see the game played all 53 wide and the entire length of the field. I want to see it officiated better and better, and I want to see the penalties that are assigned make more sense, be graduated. Is everything a 15-yard, or does it start at 5 or 10 and then accelerate from there? As the sport, as the NFL hones in and maybe cleans up some areas that have been left aside or not paid attention to, maybe that shifts the game a little bit. I don't want to see it become any more pass driven or pass heavy. As I've said before it, this time it's not that a quarterback is a starting pitcher in baseball, but it's closer to that than it ever has been. We don't want to go see an NFL game where we're basically going to see, okay, how's this guy going to throw today? I I don't ever want to hear that. And if that backs away or if it gets a little more reasonable, or if the guys on defense catch a little break, or if there's some things done to maybe encourage more running the ball, then I think this trend of a young guy who's an offensive coordinator is going to be our head coach. Then I think we probably see that fade away and maybe it will be overtaken by this recent former player. There's no reason to think that trend is going to slow down. And of course, the Raiders are on the front end of it. And there's some other guys, I'm sure that'll be candidates or hires as we sit here next year and talk before uh, the title games.
0: John, I want to talk about the AFC West, because Antonio Pierce beat Andy Reid. He beat Sean Payton. Uh, he beat the Chiefs. I mean, their coaches, I mean, the the Chargers, his coach isn't there anymore. But a lot of young Raider fans, not all, but some young Raider fans, oh, God, we got Antonio Pierce, and we got Andy Reid, Sean Payton, and now Jim Harbaugh in the AFC West. I I said yesterday on my podcast and got some criticism. I'm okay with that. I'm not at all lumping all Raider fans into this group. I think it's a lot of younger fans or newer fans. You're the Raiders. You're the freaking Raiders. You already beat Andy Reid this this year. You already went out and beat Sean Payton twice last year. I, I don't think there should be any
1: fear about anybody when you're the freaking Raiders? Your thoughts? I don't think there should be any fear, no. Um, you just jump on the elephant in the room. So you have Jim Harbaugh coming back to the NFL. We don't know what, if any, suspension he's going to have or carry over. Let's leave that aside. What we do have is some history of guys leaving the NFL for a long period of time and then coming back. It has not been easy for anybody. Joe Gibbs had a couple tough years at the start. And he said, Hey, I had to adapt. I had to adjust. I screwed up John Gruden. It didn't just snap back into place by far. Is it going to snap right back into place for Jim Harbaugh? We don't know just because it took
0: him eight years at Michigan. You know, this is something people don't talk about. No, his first six years, seven years at Michigan. People hated him. He had to take a massive pay cut. He couldn't beat Ohio State. He couldn't beat Mark D'Antonio in Michigan State. I mean, people forget how bad it was for a long time at Michigan.
1: They do. And I, and, I, and they had a real hard time uh, keeping staff. They had a real hard time getting a quarterback. So, okay, they're going to, to Los Angeles uh, to really be a second citizen. Uh, listen, until you win a lot, you're going to be a second citizen to Sean McVay and the Rams. It's just true. Uh, the quarterback's in place, but but how's, it, how's the rest of it going to go? My point is, no, the Raiders shouldn't bow down to anybody. Jim Harbaugh could win his first 10 games next year. He could struggle in his first year or two there. We don't know what that's going to be, but there's no point of bowing down. This is somebody that's been out of the picture. When he was fired in San Francisco, it wasn't a super clean operation. Now, he may have been right as far as The decision the 49ers made, they went with this guy and not that guy and and, and got rid of Harbaugh. It may have been right, but there's some not great outcomes that happen at the end of the time in San Francisco with guys leaving and retiring, and we just don't know how it's going to work. Here's the big difference. Raider fans shouldn't be scared or worried about anything. You know how Antonio Pierce is going to operate because he was in the building as the interim head coach, and he was acting like the head coach that was just taking the job and moving forward, baby. We have no idea how it's going to go in San Diego with Jim Harbaugh, with his staff, with his team. No Los idea. Los Angeles. Yeah. I'm forever most likely going to say San Diego. Like I not know a, a lot of the people out there are going to do. All right. So we have that situation. You have what in the world is Sean Payton going to do next year? We have the massive elephant in that room. They got to get rid of Russell Wilson somehow. So there's no reason to be backed down or worried about that. And when you look at the Chiefs, You could argue, well, the Chiefs were a little bit down this year, but last I checked, they're still playing. And I think we could agree that they're probably going to be better next year in some spots. We expect they're going to address the deep ball issue, just for example. But the Raiders already beat them, and they played with them. So, no, if I'm a Raider fan, I got more than enough reasons to be as excited or more than the Chargers – and i wouldn't back down a second you think antonio pierce has let any possible appearance of back down no and he, nor is he over and it's over pumping and it's face. not all
0: fans i want to make sure of course not it is not all fans it's not even the majority of fans just a small group of young fans all right john let's get to tomorrow's games we've got the lions and the niners to me this comes down to If the the Niners have the lead in the ball in the fourth quarter, they're just going to suck the air right out of the ball and win. Detroit's got to have the ball in the fourth quarter, down seven points or less, and that's their only way they win. I'm predicting a San Francisco win. A Lion win would not shock me based on those circumstances. Your thoughts?
1: Watch the defensive line for the 49ers. How often and how quickly do they get there? This is their time. If the 49ers don't get to the Super Bowl here, this, this is going to start to, to fall apart a little bit, I think. This is what Mr. Bosa is ready to do. He's got Chase Young on the other side. The Detroit story is great. I understand that they're playing with house money, but they're also running into it seems to be like a team, a little bit of destiny. I like the 49ers by more than four.
0: All right, now we go to the other side of the ball. I think the Baltimore I – Now I predicted Kansas City to make the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. On the other side, I said Philly or San Fran. Um, but I said I was leaning towards Philly. And now you come over here, and Kansas City's not Kansas City of old. They finally got some weapons for Lamar Jackson. Boy, doesn't every team look stupid that he was on the market nobody went after him. But I think Baltimore wins, but not by more than four, which is the uh, Vegas number. So technically, Chiefs win it, you know, betting wise, but
1: Baltimore wins the game. Your thoughts? Kansas City knows what to do in this situation. Um, It's hard not to be a fan of what the Ravens do and how they do it. They did stumble. A couple times in recent years when it looked like they were going to be on the way to the Super Bowl. And that's maybe part of the reason the changes were made. This looks like a complete team in Baltimore right now. They are playing in Baltimore and they've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They are going to position themselves as saying this game is going to be seen by more people than any but the Super Bowl. How many of those people? Are just like, oh, I'm sure the Chiefs are gonna win. They gotta be better. They got Pat Mahomes. They're they're a better ball club. They don't know five guys on the Ravens. They're gonna know five guys on the Ravens Sunday night. This is one that if you're the Ravens, you need to take control right away and keep on going. You can't put Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs out of the game. They're not gonna blow them out by any stretch of the mean, but they need to take control, get ahead keep the gas down and watch how much of the field that Baltimore offense uses. I got a feeling if we did one of those where they show all the plays and the lines of who went, where it's going to be scribbled all over. I'm not a Homer, but you have to admire the way that organization does what it does. It feels and seems like it's their time. So call me a sucker. I like the Ravens as well. John Herbaugh is one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL. Uh, maybe in maybe in NFL history so far.
0: Rick Goslin, as you know, many consider him the greatest NFL writer of all time. He's my mentor, my great friend. He has said for years, I mean, 30 years, 35 years. I'm trying to think. Hold on. I'm 52. Uh, so I know for a fact. He's been saying for 27 years, if he was a general manager and owner, he's looking at special teams coaches for head coaches. He can't believe more haven't made the jump. Um, to me, Harbaugh is the most underrated coach. I I kind of agree with you. Currently or in the history of the NFL, he's a great coach. and he has, he has all of his brother's skill, but the personality to be likable.
1: Well, the thing is, um, you know, when Jarvin Harbaugh was hired, it's like, okay, well, we know that name, but he's coming from special teams of the Eagles. That's going to be interesting. But right away, what you saw was a guy that knew how to bring the pot to a boil and kind of keep it there. It didn't just evaporate. How many times have we seen his team show up and flop or fall on their face? Not many. How many times have we probably seen them overachieve? Quite many. They appear to be prepared When you look at one through 53, it feels like they're kind of all in it and there's not a huge drop. If anything, sometimes the Ravens have guys who are more prepared to play on a practice squad than maybe another team they're playing during the season has out there starting. There's an organization, there's a technical skill, there's a mastery of the game of football, and there is that X element, that X factor of personal connection and motivation that John Harbaugh does not yet get the credit he deserves. If somehow he gets another Super Bowl, that credit's going to start to flow. This is one of the most underrated pro football head coaches that we have seen. And the great thing is, if you're a fan, I don't think he's anywhere close to done. This is not a guy that looks like he's about ready to burn out or anything. This is a guy that just loves it. And that sticks and spreads all over his Ravens team. Watch how ready he has them to just strike that match when this game starts on Sunday.
0: Totally agree. It's going to be a great day tomorrow, football. I can't wait. Get to watch it. You get to watch it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Johnny, another great week. Going to have more riff from you next week, but it's always great to have you. Remember, everybody, I'm Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Remember this, please. You can follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Hondo Carpenter. On IG, at Hondo SR. Go to si.com forward slash NFL forward slash Raiders to get all of our articles. Additionally, hit the newsletter, sign up. We don't spam you, but three days a week, we send you out the newsletter so you can know everything that's going on. We don't sell your information and get our biggest and best stories delivered right to you. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate you. This has been a Las Vegas Raiders Insider Production on the Fans First Sports Network. Whoa, whoa.